Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Puma Podcast. We stand here today to declare that henceforth, no family shall be forced to drive their children away for fear of their being maimed or wounded by conflict, and that no child ever again has to cross a raging river and knock on a stranger's door to beg for protection. I always felt that kapag merong gera or may bombing, ibabalita sa news, laging at the back of my mind, inisip ko sana hindi Muslim. Kasi for sure, yan na naman ang magiging mukha ng isang Muslim sa komunidad na kinabibilangan ko. From the distant past to the present, the comprehensive agreement on the Bangsamoro is the crowning glory of our struggle. Personally, malaking wound na nangyari during martial law. Jihadida massacre happened in 1968. Maraming mga massacres nangyari in 1970s. If our goals as a nation are fulfilled, my brothers, my brothers Al-Hajj Murad, Bohager Iqbal, and myself, can all look forward to that one day in the not-so-distant future when we will sit back and enjoy a quiet sunset in Mindanao. Hi! Ako po si Trisha Aquino. I've been a reporter for 10 years, and I started off writing for an online publication. Now, I produce podcasts like the one you're listening to today. And one of the most important things that I remember covering in the last decade was the peace process between the government and the MILF. The Moro Islamic Liberation Front a separatist group that took up arms for its cause in the 1970s. But now, it was willing to come to the table and work with the government to forge peace. It was amazing to witness how, after so many decades of fighting, it finally felt like everyone was on board. Both parties were finally ready to lay their weapons down, and it seemed like a peaceful and prosperous Mindanao was in sight. But the journey was a long and difficult one. Signing the Comprehensive Agreement on the Bangsamoro took 17 years of negotiations. The CAB is the final peace pact between the government and the MILF. And it took even longer to enact the Bangsamoro Organic Law, which would create a new political entity, the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao. This would allow the Bangsamoro people to chart their political future and affirm their distinct historical identity and rights to their ancestral homeland. In this new podcast, we will look at the past, but also at what the present and future have in store for our brothers and sisters in the South, with the help of my co-host. Thanks, Ate Trisha. Ako si Siti Fariza Esmail, isa akong bangsamoro and a four-year college student nag-aaral sa Notre Dame Religious Virgin Mary College of Cotabato, taking up Bachelor of Secondary Education major in English. 
I am one of the program managers of the local management team under the Central Executive Board of United Voices for Peace Network Incorporated. We empower the youth, especially those from Mindanao, to help safeguard the gains of the Bangsamoro peace process. I've seen how my family, relatives, and friends struggled to fight for our right to self-determination. And I'm proud to fight for this alongside them. When I was in high school, isa ako sa mga nangangampanya na makamit ito. Hindi iniinda ang sikat ng araw, pawis, o ang pagod na manatili sa daan, park, o maging sa social media. May bahagi lamang ang panawagang ito. Sadly, despite the long battle, we still feel like the rest of the Philippines is not that aware about Bangsamoro identity or Bangsamoro history in general. That's why in this podcast, gusto natin na maibahagi ang kasaysayan ng mga Bangsamorong tulad ko. Exactly. At ako bilang nag-aaral at nagtatrabaho sa Manila, marami din akong gustong malaman. I'm also thrilled to learn kasi kahit na pinanganap at lumaki ako dito sa Mindanao, I still feel like my knowledge about Bangsamoro history is not enough, lalo na ngayon na we have our parliamentary system. And sa edad kong ito, at bilang isang kabataan din na nangangarap mapasani at matuto sa usaping Bangsamoro, I'm very much happy for this kind of opportunity and I'm also looking forward to knowing yung perspectives ng mga Tagalazon like you at Itrish about my homeland. Game! Ayan, so simulan na natin. Ito ang Balangkas ng Bukas, Stories of Major Policy Reforms. Isang podcast ng Youth Leadership for Democracy o Youth-led. A project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development. Powered by Puma Podcast, with the support of the United Voices for Peace Network. In this podcast, we look at how we want the rights, freedoms, and privileges we have now. At babarikan natin ang lahat ng pinagdaanan natin para mabuo ang mga mahahalagang pulisiyang nagbibigay ginhawa sa buhay nating mga Pilipino. Titingnan natin kung paano nangyayari ang reforma. And in this season, we'll talk about the BOL or the Bangsamoro Organic Law. Heads up lang, we're recording this through Zoom with Ate Trisha in Manila and myself here in Cotabato. At nagkakaroon kami ng challenges sa mic setup and internet connection. So pagpasensyahan nyo na kung may audio quality na hindi maganda. Okay, Ate Trisha, what did you learn about the Bansamor in school? Well, uh, tinuro sa amin yung different regions of the Philippines pero mas pang geography yung atake niya. It was only when I was already a reporter that I started to learn more about Mindanao. And even then, it was really from the perspective na may bakbakan dito, may clash na naman ng AFP at iba't ibang armed groups, so ganon. Eh kayo, City, how is Bangsamoro history taught in your schools? It is not really a formal education. The history of Bangsamoro was just generally passed on to us by our elders. This is actually one of the reasons din talaga why I feel like Bangsamoros are left behind because our history is not really recognized in our country. Oh wow! So hindi rin pala siya talaga tinuturo sa school kahit sa Mindanao. It's something that we need to correct, no? Kaya ngayon, meron tayong history lesson. Yes, and imbita tayo ng expert. 
Ako po si uh, Termizi Abdullah, Tubong Lanao, isang Maranao, isang Bangsamoro. Ako po ay kasalukuyang nagtuturo ng kasaysayan uh, mainly on the history of the Bangsamoro people and the indigenous people sa history department ng Mindanao State University, Marawi City. Thanks for joining us, Prof. Termizi. Sir, when you talk about Bangsamoro history, where do you begin? Nagsisimula ko uh, pre-colonial times. Now, uh, alam natin ma'am na before the coming of the Spanish colonizers, ang Mindanao, ang archipelago no, o ang Pilipinas, kasi that time wala pa tayong tinatawag na Pilipinas, no? so we can call it archipelago. Ang archipelago, including Mindanao, ay uh, nasa process tayo ng tinatawag na Islamization. No? Maraming mga communities in the archipelago na they were on the process of embracing Islamic civilization. And anong mga proofs niyan? Yung pagka-develop ng mga political governments, political system that inspired by Islamic civilization. Uh, I am referring to the Sultanate of Maguindanao, the Principalities of Lanao, the Sultanate of Sulu, of course, no? the Kadatuan, San Karajaans in the different parts of northern part of the archipelago, particularly in, in, in Manila. Na by the time na dumating yung mga Spaniards, no? Manila were under the influence of Islamic civilization. Known rulers were actually Muslims like Rahala Kandula, Rahamatanda. Thanks, Prof. Na-refresh po yung memory ko sa lecture niyo. It feels like I am getting to know once again my own identity. Nabanggit ko kanina na there's no formal education about the Bangsamoro history dito sa amin, di ba? Pero when I was in high school at an Islamic school, at least during our Araling Pandipunan subject, nagbigay ng pahapyaw na lecture ang teacher namin kung ano ang history namin as Bangsamoro. Nabanggit niya ang mga bari na ito. Actually, City, nung bumisita ako sa Ayala Museum dito sa Makati, di ba, kilala sila for their dioramas of Philippine history. Doon ko nalaman na nung 12th century pa lang, meron na palang Islamic presence in the Philippines. But it was only two centuries later nang magsimulang makonvert ng Muslim traders ang locals to Islam. At marami nang nangyari bago pa dumating ang mga Kastila. 14th century na established yung Cradle of Islam in the Philippines. Ito yung Sheikh Karimul Mahdum Mosque sa Tawi-Tawi. At no 15th century naman na established yung pinakaunang Islamic State sa bansa. Ito ang Sultanate of Sulu. So at least now we know a bit more about our pre-colonial history, kahit sobrang pahapyaw pa lang nito. Ngayon, mapunta naman tayo sa colonial period. It was during this time na nabuo ang Salitang Moro. Ate Trish, natatandaan mo pa ba nung isinasagawang batas pa yung Bangsamoro Basic Law o BBL noong 2014? Of course! Inimbita ng Senado yung government and MILF peace panels para magbigay ng briefing tungkol dito. I remember that. Pinapanood ko nun yung live stream sa YouTube nung kinukover ko yung BBL. Well, ito ang sinabi noon ni Mohager Iqbal. Siya noon ang chief peace negotiator ng MILF. The word Moro was first used by the Spaniards when they encountered Raja Sulaiman or Raja Lacandula in Manila. Uh, Manila then was populated by two peoples, the, Mos- the Moros, who are Muslims, and then the Indios. Meaning, the term Moro was originally used 
to describe the Muslims in Manila. And then throughout the more than 300 years of warfare between Spain and, and the Moros, the, the term Moro was consistently used. And it is basically a religious term because when you say Moros, they are Muslims. May nabasa rin akong journal article. Ang title nito, The Bangsamoro Identity Struggle and the Bangsamoro Basic Law as the Path to Peace. Sinulat to ni na Anushka Kapahi at Gabriel Tanyada. Ang sabi nila, quote, Moro is a Spanish term referring to the Muslim people of mixed Arab and Berber descent from Northwest Africa, known as the Moors, who invaded and occupied Spain in the 8th century, end quote. So the Spaniards used the same term for Muslim Filipinos as the term for their former colonial masters. Ang interesting na para sa karamihan ng mga Pilipino, ang mga Spaniards ang may power throughout the 300 years that they were here. But actually, they named the Moros after the very people who exerted power over them. Wow! Diba? Pero yung mismong salitang Moro City, what do you associate with it? Does it feel like it's a word that refers to you and your community? Definitely, Ata Trish. The term Moro became our collective identity as one people sharing the same history, beliefs, and culture. So it's good to see that term as your own now. Pero balikan natin yung salitang Moro in reference to the Spaniards. Again, sila ang nagbansag sa mga Muslim natives na nakita nila noon as such. Prof. Termizi, what's your take on this? So, meron silang historical hangover. Basically, yung Filipino and Moro identity are cotinal construct. If the colonizers did not come, wala tayong tinatawag na Filipinos, wala tayong tinatawag na mga Moros. But because of our colonial experience, nagkaroon tayo ng ganoong mga identity. Sabi nga ng isang author, authored by Sala Jubair, If the Filipino identity is a child of colonialism, the Moro is an offspring of anti-colonialism. Obviously, we know about the Spanish colonial period and the struggle for independence since itinuturo po ito sa eskwelahan. Pero paano naman po ang history at context ng Bangsamoro region? Yung mga scholars natin, yung mga historians natin, uh, they agree na there were six stages of the Spanish Moro Wars and that is that six stages are distributed across uh, more than 300 years from 1565 to 1898. So, naging uh, kasaysayan ng uh, gera, conflict. Doon din sa mga time yung na-develop yung mga, mga prejudices, mga biases, no? um, yung tinatawag natin na uh, Moro image, no Filipino image na for the Moros ang mga Filipinos were slaves they were enslaved by the Spaniards they were used by the Spaniards to fight the, the Moros yung mga Moro image then Moro slavers yung Moro pirates with all these negative associations with the term uh, Moro so the seeds of discrimination were sown in this period then Dumating yung mga Amerikano, basically nag-continue pa rin ang resistance ng mga Moros from the American invasion, from the American colonization. Although uh, masasabi natin generally na uh, the Spaniards and the Americans did not effectively colonize the Moros, 
Kung yan eh, uh, proseso yan eh. Pwede natin, let's say for example, by the time na nanatili na dito ang mga Amerikano, may level na napinitrate na nila ang areas ng mga Moros. But we could say, during American time, nag-continue pa rin ang resistance. no? Example, eh, the, the Battle of Budaho. Actually, mas tamang tawagin itong massacre. Anin na daang lalaki, babae, at batang moro ang pinagpapatay ng American forces noong 1906. Pinarikada ng mga biktima ang mga sarili nila sa crater na isang extinct volcano sa Hulonon. At karamihan ng mga pinatay, nagtamo ng 50 gunshot wounds each. Merciless talaga yung killing na yon. Napakaraming encounters, bloody encounters between the Moros and the Americans. In fact, yung term na Moro problem was actually popularized by the Americans, which means you know, the problem of the Americans on how to effectively integrate, assimilate the Moros into the mainstream Filipinos. Dito na nag-start yung natawag natin na massive legalized land grabbing because the American government at the time, the government, they encouraged the people of Luzon and Visayas, they sponsored them to come here in Mindanao and they were given lands. And whose lands were given to them? Basically, the lands of the people of Mindanao, the Bangsamoro and the indigenous uh, people. So it's isa ito sa mga tinatawag natin na mga historical injustices. Na hopefully, uh, tinatama natin, nire-rectify natin ngayon na mayroong Bangsamoro o organic law, nagkaroon ng signing comprehensive agreement on Bangsamoro, mayroong part ang CAB na tinatawag natin na Annex on Normalization, na may component ng transitional justice. No? Transitional justice. Mahalaga ang konsepto yan na babalikan natin sa isang future episode. So ngayon, let's continue our conversation about Pangsamoro history. We were talking about how the American colonial period promoted massive legalized land grabbing. Sabi nga dun sa article ni na Anushka Kapahi and Gabriel Tanyada, noon daw 1903, inadopt ng Philippine Commission ang Act No. 718. Pinawalang bisa nito ang binigay na lupa ng war leaders and chiefs of non-Christian tribes dahil wala silang pahintulot ng gobyerno. Then sinundan yan ng another another law. I-register ninyo yung mga lupa ninyo sa American government. And the Moros were not interested to register their land. no? Kasi nga, at the time, they could not reconcile the idea that in order for you to get your land, you need to, to have this piece of paper. no? Kasi wala namang, hindi naman land titling yung sa kanila para sa kanila communal no ancestral communal property yung lupa at sa kanila yung own land no other it's the other way around no ang lupa ang nagmamayari sa atin kasi pag mamatay tayo eventually we will be, we will go back to the land so anong sunod doon ng mga Amerikano na public land laws lahat hindi nag-register na lupa at sa American government ay declared as public land and if it is public land it is free for exploration ano yung public land law mga Americans no yung provision doon na pwedeng ibigay sa isang homesteader sa isang migrant ay 16 hectares No, for the corporation, no, may provision doon that they can they can acquire 1024 hectares. But there was no provision kung ilang hectares ang pwedeng ma-acquire ng non-Christian tribes like the Moros and the the Lumans or the indigenous people. 
So, napakarami yan siya. No, napakarami yan siya na makikita mo talaga na systematic yung pag-agaw ng mga Amerikano sa lupa ng mga uh, Moros. Bukod pa sa problema ng land grabbing, the colonial periods also sparked tension between the Bangsamoro people and the larger Filipino Christian population. During Spanish colonial times, nag-start na rin doon. Pero mas lalong umigting during American time. Bakit nag-start doon sa Spanish time? Kasi nga, yung mga campaigns, yung mga food soldiers nila ay basically the natives, no? the Christianized natives, the Filipinos. Sila yung ginagamit, na ginagamit ng mga Espanyol during their military campaigns against the Bangsamoros. We can cite many good examples, many good historical examples na only 10% ang mga Espanyol, the rest 90% of the food soldiers, yung mga Indios na tinatawag natin that time that later on tinatawag natin na mga, mga Filipinos. And then pag nagka-counter-attack din ang mga Moros, no, they were attacking Filipino settlements in Visayas and uh, Luzon. No, they do depopulation no when they attack no Spanish settlement in Luzon and Visayas they are they were taking the people dinadala nila sa Indonesia let's say for example in Batavia Batavia is the present Jakarta which was at the time it was a slave market no agricultural workers here in Mindanao yung nakukuha ng mga population sa Luzon and Visayas uh, very interesting nga uh, eh Pagpunta mo dyan sa, sa mga area like in Visayas, doon sa mga coastal towns, may mga watchtowers dyan na pantayo during Spanish time. They were built by the Spanish government to regularly monitor counter-attack of the Moros. Eh, yung mga Amerikano naman po. Yung sinabi ko sa'yo, no, na mga land policies, the, the influx of the migrant settlers, uh, they introduced new concept of uh, land ownership, new concept of justice system. They introduced uh, a new educational, African uh, educational system. No, the Japanese invaders, of course, also employed its military might on the Bangsamoro. Pero ano pang nangyari nung malaya na tayo? Ang iniimpresyo ko dito ay basically kung ano ang sinimula ng mga Amerikano ay ipinagpatuloy pa rin ng Philippine Republic no kaya ang tingin ng mga Bangsamoros that time sa Philippine Republic na gobyerno ay this is another colonial government hindi ipinansin yung welfare ng mga Bangsamoro it's part of it but it's more than that yung polisiya nila were basically no walang pinagkaiba doon sa colonial policies ng mga Amerikano Trisha, what do you think so far? Well, dahil colonial period ang pinag-uusapan natin, masalimuot siya. But at the same time, it was really enlightening to find out from Prof. Kermizy kung saan ang galing yung roots of discrimination. Ito palang pinanggagalingan ng hidwaan sa pagitan ng Bangsamoro at ng Christian Filipino population. And malalim yung mga sugat at Ilang daang taon na rin siyang dinadala ng isang community that has been so marginalized in national affairs. And I don't think we as a Filipino society really acknowledge that. Ikaw, City, para sa'yo, what struck you? Actually, 
Every time I hear stories on how Muslims were treated before, it still is painful. Sabi mo nga, masalimuot, masakit, malalim yung sugat. Pero it was what it was. At least ngayon, with the help of this podcast also, we can help in the healing process. I hope so. Now let's go to the late 20th century until the present day. Professor Termizi talked about how the Philippine government continued the policies of the American colonizers, which is why the Bangsamoro initially saw them as more of the same. It was also during this period that liberation organizations were formed. So, sabi sa article ni Nakapahi and Tanyada, mula 1946 hanggang 1960, naging parte ng Republika ng Pilipinas ang Bangsamoro. But tensions soon resurged between Christian Filipinos and the Bangsamoros. Quote, For an extended period, the Philippine government did not recognize Islamic laws in the Philippines, even in Mindanao. This alienated the Bangsamoro people who believed that Islamic law, intrinsic to their way of life, should be recognized and implemented. End quote. At the same time, Filipino Muslims were slighted by the education system. Quote, Public schools made it obligatory for the Bangsamoro children to learn Christian scriptures and textbooks and adopted examples that were offensive to Filipino Muslims. End quote. And in the 1950s, the government resettled the Hukbalahap surrenderies in Bangsamoro. They were given land and so, quote, Many Bangsamoro families suddenly found themselves being unjustly expelled from their lands and properties, end quote. The new settlers and the Bangsamoro distrusted each other and both began forming militias to protect their communities. Naturally, they clashed. And what about the decades afterwards? Professor Termizi. Those were the times na, na na-form ang mga liberation organizations no? uh, like the MNLF Moro National Liberation Front or earlier than that, we have the Bangsa Moro Liberation Organization, we have the MIM, Mindanao uh, Independence Movement that later on became Muslim Independence Movement headed by that Uduk Matalam then eventually Moro Islamic Liberation uh, Front. No? singa during martial law no martial law no nagsuffer talaga ang mga uh, minorities dito sa Mindanao like di Bangsamoro in fact yung sinasabi nila na, uh, na essential truth during martial law ay uh, even before na nagdeclare si Ferdinand Marcos uh, senior ng uh, martial law in 1972 nagsuffer na ang mga ang mga Bangsamoro 1968 nangyari, nangyari ang Jabida massacre On March 18, 1968, young Moro soldiers who were being trained by the Philippine military were massacred in Corregidor. Magkakaiba ang death toll based on different accounts. Anywhere from 20 to 200 soldiers were killed. It was this event that triggered the establishment of the resistance movement in the Bangsamoro. Yun yung mga nabanggit ni Professor Termizi na armed groups earlier. Alam mo, City, nagpunta ako sa koridor noong 2015 when the National Historical Commission unveiled a historical marker to commemorate the tragedy. Almost 50 years na yon pagkatapos mangyari ng Jabida Massacre. Pero kasi, Ate Trish, kahit may historical marker, wala pa rin para sa mga biktima. In fact, 
there are still some people who claim that the massacre was a hoax. Let's get the facts from the late President Toynoy Aquino himself. Here he is, speaking at the 45th anniversary of the massacre. Ang buod ng operasyon ay sumusunod. Mula sa mga probinsya ng Sulu at Tawi-Tawi, kukuha ang militar ng mga mandiribang muro. Dadalin sila sa koridor at sa ilalim sa pagsasanay upang maging mga komando. Ipapadala sila sa Sabah. Doon gagawa sila ng gulo at magsisimula ng destabilisasyon. Hindi bilang mga sundalo ng Pilipinas kundi habang nakapustura bilang makawal ng Sultan ng Sulu. Sa gitna ng gulo, gagawa ng paraan ang Rehimay Marcos para maangkin ng Pilipinas ang Sabah. Hindi po nagtagumpay ang plano. Naging malabis sa training ng mga moro. Hindi sila binayaran ng ipinangakong Saud at hindi nila masikmurang maaaring kailangan nilang pumaslang ng kalahi para lamang magtagumpay ang misyon. Hindi matanggap ng mga pasimuno ng operasyon ang hinaing na makasapi ng Jabila Unit. Kaya nung ikalabing walo ng Marso 1968, pinaslang di umano ang mga kabataang Muslim na kasapi nito. Ngayon, Professor Termizi, alam natin na nung diktadorya ni Pangulong Ferdinand Marcos, libo-libo ang pinatay, pinakulong, tinorture at naging biktima ng enforced disappearances. Paano naging unique ang Bangsamoro experience? Kung sa uh, uh, the rest of the country, kung nag-start siya during the declaration of martial law in 1972, years before that, the Moros were already suffering. In fact, one of the reasons no, na sinabi ng administration that time why they declared martial law was the presence of a rebellion in Mindanao. So ginamit pa ang mga Moros no, in justifying martial law. So ang point ko is even before na-declare yung martial law ay naunang nagsasuffer na hihirapan na ang mga Moros. The communities of the Moros were under assault that time, even before the declaration of martial law in 1972. May mga iga na that time, yung mga Christian militia groups, no, na allegedly they were being supported by the Philippine Constabulary that time. Then mas lalo silang naghirap after the declaration of martial law. No? The Marawi Prize in October 1972, the burning of Olo in 1974, Palimbang Massacre 1974, no? and we can cite many more. It's not uh, properly documented. Yung sinasabi ko nga, ang mga Bangsamoro ay hindi lang sila biktima ng historical, bad historical revisionism, kundi biktima rin sila ng more than that, historical denial and historical negation. No? Yes, dinidinay yung mga nangyari in the past, nangyari in martial law na ginawang mali sa kanila. No? Hindi, lang, hindi lang siya nire-revise, dinidinay. Di ba yung recommendation ng TGRC report and doon no, in-acknowledge? Yung, yung mga example ma'am yung malisbong massacre, palimbang massacre, no? na recently found out by the TGRC report na, na hindi bababa sa 1,500 na mga babae, mga bata, no? na rape at Pinatay, no? Pinatay doon sa Palimbang Massacre in 1974. Professor, you're talking about the Transitional Justice and Reconciliation Commission or the TJRC. It's a body that's made up of an international expert and representatives from the government and the MILF peace panels. The goal is to promote healing and reconciliation. And in 2016, 
they came out with a report born out of interviews with over 3,000 people from more than 200 Moro, indigenous, and settler communities in Mindanao. We highly recommend reading that report. Just Google TJRC report OPAP or OPAPB and you'll find it on the website of the Office of the Presidential Advisor on Peace, Reconciliation, and Unity. Ito yung dating OPAP or Office of the Presidential Advisor on the Peace Process. Pero ito, listen to what a survivor of the Marisbong Massacre or Palimbang Massacre told the TJRC. When the 15th, 16th, 25th, and 27th IB arrived, it was four days after the start of the Ramadan. We were fasting then. One morning, the army went around the area. They first got the barangay officials and one municipal councillor named Haji Tatu. They were gathered together and were about a thousand individuals, including the barangay officials and municipal official. They were the first ones who were captured and never came back. There were also more than a thousand persons who were left inside the mosque. Every day in the mosque, the army would get one to ten persons. Those who were inside the mosque would hear shots of fire hours after these people were taken. And those who were taken outside never came back. After one month, Haji Drus Ali, the mayor of Palembang, arrived together with Captain Tayumo to get 200 people who were inside the mosque. But they were only able to take 150 people. There were four people from the 150 that were rescued. We never knew what happened to those who were left inside the mosque. My grandfather was buried alive and another relative was nailed to a cross like Christ. Every day inside the mosque. I had relatives taken. Seven to nine relatives were taken outside, but only the brother of my father survived. All of them were stripped of their clothes. They were brought to the beach. They were made to dig their own graves. And when they were done, they were shot and killed. Grabe. Ang sakit. Napakarami pa yan, sabi ng TJRC. Professor Termizi? Personally, malaking wound na nangyari during, mar- uh, during martial law. Sobra. At nasa 1970s pa lang tayo ah. May maganda namang lumabas sa dekada ito na pirmahan ng Tripoli Peace Agreement sa pagitan ng gobyerno at ng MNLF. And we'll get into that in episode 2. How the peace process began as well as the stops and starts in between. So ngayon, balikan natin ang history lesson natin. Professor, ano ang pinakamahalagang bagay na dapat malaman ng listeners natin tungkol sa kasaysayan ng Bangsamoro? Sa akin kasi ma'am, ang part ng lens ko sa pagtingin ng kasaysayan ay yung uh, human dignity. 
karapatang pantao, importante yon uh, makita, no? Makita, malaman, ma-educate ang buong Pilipinas, buong mundo doon sa mga sinasabi ko pala kanina ng mga historical injustices na ginawa sa Bangsamoro and other indigenous people of, of Mindanao. So that magkakaroon ng empathy, no, compassion, na ma-acknowledge na nasaktan din sila, no? Kasi importante 'yon na part ng healing. Importante kasi ma'am ang kasaysayan sa proseso ng paghihilom. Importante ma'am na na bagay ng kasaysayan ng Samoro na sana maisulat, maituro lang sa gayon hindi natin makalimutan maging guide natin as forward as one nation. And while we did dwell on a lot of historical injustices, Isang bahagi lang ito ng kwento ng Bangsamoro. Yung civilization ng mga Bangsamoro na naging mas makulay ang Filipino civilization, Filipino identity, Filipino nation dahil may, may, may contribution ang mga Bangsamoro. Sa larangan ng kultura, sa larangan ng sining, importante rin yun, no? Na hindi lang, hindi lang conflict ang contribution ng Bangsamoro sa kasaysayan kundi sa larangan din ng sining at intelektual, no? Civilization, may may contribution din sila sa arts. I think this is a great place to end our first episode. And I completely agree with you, Prof. Thermisi. We need to know the history of the Bangsamoro so that we can understand where they're coming from and so that we can have empathy and compassion for our brothers and sisters in the region. At kasama ka na doon, Siti. Thank you for sharing this conversation with me. Salamat din, Ate Trisha at Professor Termizi. Maraming salamat sa napakamakahulugang pag-uusap tungkol sa Bangsamoro. My greatest takeaway from this episode is that there really is a need for us to continue talking about the history of the Bangsamoro people what they have gone through, and what they experienced in the hands of the colonizers. This way, empathy and compassion will be ignited more. People cannot have compassion and empathy for something that they do not know. So yes, let's do more. Let's talk about Bangsamoro history more. And that was the first episode of Balangkas ng Bukas Stories of Major Policy Reforms a project of the Asia Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development. Powered by Puma Podcast, with the support of the United Voices for Peace Network. Ako po muli si Siti Fariza Esmail. At ako naman po si Trisha Aquino, Puma Podcast. This episode was written and produced by myself. It was edited by Carl Sayat, with additional research by Faith Navarro. Salamat din kay Nina Toralba. If you like this podcast, follow Balangkas ng Bukas on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. We'd also love it if you can spread the word and share it with a friend. Now, here's what you can expect from the next episode. Nung bata ko, kapag magtataksi kami ng nanay ko, hindi kami paparahan. Yung tatay ko na lang yung magpapara ng taxi para hindi... Wala namang ganong, hindi naman siya nakabelo. So, pero pag sumakay na kami, parang makikita mo sa mukha ng driver na natatako yung mga ganong instances. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.